Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing Mary Poppins Returns. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, what would Mary Poppins Measuring Tape say about you? Lucas Wright, a designer in Chicago, and Mary Poppins Measuring Tape would say, he has nothing to hide, but nothing he feels like sharing with you. Oh, Lucas that's really perfect. <laughs> it's practically perfect in every way. Yes. Um, I'm Sandra Omstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And her measuring tape would say about me, not afraid of a bold fashion choice, but afraid of many other things. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Well, Lucas, um, before we get into more Poppins gab, um, what are you feeling this week? Um, well, it's the new year and I'm just getting over a cold. And one of the things that we did was we had some friends in town um, who had never seen Harry Met Sally. So on New Year's Eve, we sat down and we watched When Harry Met Sally. And one, I have never watched it with someone who hasn't seen it before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was a beautiful thing to watch. Just how lovely, like that movie is almost a perfect movie. It is, um, Would I you think, say it's practically perfect in every way? I would way? say it's practically perfect in every way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this movie is amazing. It is so smart and quick. Um, and really, I think, upends the the trope of a lot of rom-coms, even though it is kind of, I think, before a, the big rom-com heyday. Um, this isn't playing by that same formula. I think it's so, so dynamic. Everybody in it is, is amazing. Um, I think Rob Reiner has a, fantastic sense of character um, and just kind of how these people play off each other um, and just the entire time you kind of don't know really where it's going um, if you haven't seen When Harry Met Sally I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here because everybody everybody has seen When Harry Met Sally but if you haven't this is definitely one of the movies you need to see it doesn't matter if you don't like rom-coms like this is a very different kind of movie um, Sandra I know you this is one of your favorite movies of all time yeah, correct totally yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I love, yes, like you said, Lucas, seeing people discover this movie for the first time. Um, there's a comedian I follow on Twitter, and um, she recently saw When Harry Met Sally for the first time, and she said, she tweeted something, she was like, okay, white women were right about that one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I'll give you that one. That one was yeah. pretty good. <laughs> no, yeah, it's yeah. true. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lovely, lovely movie. I, and it's and the perfect I, New Year's Eve film. Like, I it don't, is. I can't think of another movie that's more fitting for New Year's Eve than that one. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, it was perfect. So it's, it's one movie that I don't revisit that often. And so getting to, getting to watch it again made me like see it again in a new light. I feel like I see new stuff in it every single time. So I know we're past the new year, but one of my favorite ways to experience that film is 
is on instead of on New Year's Eve to watch it on New Year's Day in kind of like the haze of last night's party. You know, like <laughs> you're you're tired, you're a little hungover, but you're still maybe with like the people you love. And so you like make a breakfast sandwich and put on When Harry Met Sally and you all cuddle up on the couch. That sounds fantastic any day. Yeah, sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, what are you feeling this week? This week, I'm feeling the director, Barry Jenkins. Um, I got a chance to see if Beale Street could talk in Austin recently. And um, the day after I saw that movie, I came home to Nashville. And for one night only, they were showing at my local theater his first film, Medicine for Melancholy. So I got a chance to go see that film and see his first film which was made 10 years ago and his most recent film kind of back to back um in addition to seeing both of those i listened to this really great interview that he did on the ringers podcast called um the big picture and i'm just feeling him as a person as an artist as a voice um i think he's so fascinating and the way he tells stories is really really special um it was really cool to see If Beale Street Could Talk, which I think is a movie that relies so heavily on, like, the use of color. Like, the 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 color throughout the entire film is what, like, really drew me in in every scene. And, and then you see Medicine for Melancholy, which is a movie that's, like, extremely desaturated. It's not, like, fully black and white, but it's, you know, you can very tellingly desaturate it. And, um... The way that those two movies, like, are similar and are different and are 10 years apart um, and are time capsules in very different ways, I think is so cool. Um, I would highly recommend checking out both of them. Um, one thing I've also noticed by, by seeing them back to back is I think it's really interesting the way Barry Jenkins tells love stories. Um, first of all, I think he knows how it makes me think that Barry Jenkins must be like the most the best person to like be in a romantic relationship with I think he's he's probably very smooth and romantic and like loving because the way he writes especially male romantic leads like has me head over heels every single time in all three of his movies um so like that specifically is like a talent that I I am so impressed by but also um One thing that I think is just a little unique is that so often you see a movie that's tackling like a social topic and the movie is about that social topic and there might be like a love story thrown in. So so let's say like Black Klansman, for instance, is about like this police force and like the KKK. And then there's also like, you know, a girl that he meets and there's like a little bit of a romance. And... Um, with Barry Jenkins films, it's, it seems to be that he loves to like tell a love story and through that love story, weave in social issues that he wants to address. Um, or, you know, whatever, like he's, his mind is on, he lets the love story guide you there versus like a store, a movie about housing, the housing crisis or a movie about, um, the, the criminal justice system. Um, it's, it's a movie about these two characters. He's like really driven by character. And, um, I just think that's, 
I think both ways work in lots of different films, but his way I think I find so beautiful. And um I just I'm a big I'm all in on him. Not to mention I'm really all in on his Twitter presence. Um <laughs> he's like there are certain directors that are like on Twitter and then there's certain directors that are like decidedly off Twitter. And yeah. he's just kind of kind of like man of the people, like talking about him watching Notting Hill on airplanes, like call, talking about how he like really digs Nancy Pelosi's red coat. Like he is just like I love hearing all of his thoughts from like the really insightful to the like technically mundane. So yeah, um, it's interesting. I think seeing directors on Twitter, um, yeah. just because we don't get that much exposure to directors, I think. And like, there are some directors that you, like you said, are completely just off Twitter. There are some directors like Chris McQuarrie who are basically just answering filmmaking questions all the time and stuff sure. like that. And then the directors like Barry Jenkins, who's just like living his life on Twitter. Yeah. It's so much fun to see. Yeah, <laughs> so it's really yeah. cool. Um, one last thing I want to say about him is that, like, there's not many directors, even though I'm a big movie person, I can't really say that there's a ton of directors where I've seen every single one of their films. And because he only has three feature films, I can now say that I've seen all of his. And it's really cool to see that he had the same, like, editor and cinematographer in all three movies and how all three of them have, like, grown over the past 10 years um because his first film feels very young and it had a budget of like 12 or 13 thousand dollars so it's like uh as low budget of a movie as you can imagine yeah um i wouldn't call it like a great piece of cinema but you do but there are like these magical moments and it is like a really compelling story and seeing you know where they all started and then looking at like if beale street could talk which is just like I think a visual, like, I mean, it's like, uh, filmmaking is art, but when you see a movie like Beale Street Could Talk, you're like, oh, no, this is, like, art. Like, these clips need to be in museums. Like, this is so beautiful to look at and so emotional and compelling. And um, it's just really cool to see that progression. Um, I would highly recommend people, like, get their eyes on Medicine for Melancholy and then go see if Beale Street Could Talk this coming week because... I think those two movies have a lot in common and it's a really cool thing to like follow a director and see everything that they've made. So that's my recommendation for people right now. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to have to check out Medicine for Melancholy. Yeah. I think you'd be so interested in it, Lucas. Um, it stars Wyatt Cenac, who is also like, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. And I think his character is really interesting in this. Um, and there's parts of it that are like not good. Cause you know, like I said, it's a first time filmmaker with an incredibly low budget. There are moments where the acting isn't great or the writing is really lackluster, but then you really relish the moments that feel like magic, the way he includes music, the way he, um, like develops characters. It's really cool. All right. So now that we've talked about what we're feeling this week, um, Typically, we would talk about what we're going to go in or out on when it comes to the movie trailers of the week. But here's one thing that I've noticed, Lucas, um, while seeing if Beale Street could talk. This is just a little insight that I've had recently, is that at this time of year is when all of some of the best films of the year are out in the the theaters um, because they're all gearing up for Oscar season. However, this time of year is also when about to come out is some of the worst films of the year because this is where movie studios dump their their 
They're trash movies. Um, so, like, when you're about to see some of the best films of the year is when you're also about to see some of the trailers for the worst films that, like... <laughs> it's true. Yeah. ...are about to be released. So, trailers are not, like, anything we're super stoked about right now. So, instead... Um, what we are focused on right now is gearing up for our top 10 films of 2018 episode. Um, Lucas and I are going to be doing that at the very end of January to give ourselves enough time to see everything that hasn't been officially released in theaters in our prospective cities. So um, there's still a lot for us to see. Lucas, what I want to know is what are the top 10 movies that you haven't seen that you are going to try to catch up on this month? Um, honestly, I only think there's one movie that I'm, that I think could make it in my top 10 that I haven't seen yet. Um, and that's if Bill Street could talk, but since I have the time, there are some other ones (laughs) that I will definitely go and see before I make my list. Um, and the rest are at eternity's gate, which is the, uh, William Defoe. Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah. Vincent Van Gogh movie. Um, I want to see cold war vice destroyer, wildlife shoplifters and, uh, the documentary free solo. Those are the ones that. I have to see, I think. If I can make a recommendation of any of those, it would be Free Solo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And if I could dissuade you from any of those, mm. it would be at Eternity's Gate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, I have some overlap with you, Lucas. Mine are Destroyer and Shoplifters, um, which are still ne- need to come to theaters here in Nashville. Um and then my, you know, streaming or iTunes renting list is um, Minding the Gap, Shirkers. Minding the Gap is on Hulu. Shirkers on Netflix. Private Life on Netflix. Um, Blind Spotting. We the Animals. Cold War. Happy as Lazaro on Netflix. And You Were Never Really Here. Um, so the, I have like plenty more that I think are probably yeah. also amazing, yeah. but those are the ones that are like the biggest priority for me. Well, I'm going to say I, if I were you, I'd prioritize mining the gap and you were never really here. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I am prioritizing those. Yes. So those, good. Mining the gap is number one on that list of good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, that's what, that's what's going to be on our docket. So, um, be prepared for some possible upcoming feeling it picks. Um, and then also yeah. a poss- uh, an upcoming top 10 episode, which is personally my favorite episode of the year. So um, get excited for that to come up. Yes. All right, Lucas, are you ready to talk about Mary Poppins? Let's talk about Mary Poppins. All right. So um, one thing that I find interesting with Mary Poppins Returns, which I guess, are we calling it a sequel? Call it a sequel. Say, say that again? I would definitely call it a sequel. Okay, great. Um, is re-examining our relationship to the first one. So, Lucas, what was your relationship to the original Julie Andrews, Mary Poppins? I love that movie. It's not a movie that I've revisited a lot, um, but I just remember, like, growing up, that was something that really connected me to um, kind of the fanciful world of movies just because it's so unique. Um, It was the first time that I'd ever seen animation included with um, live action in, in any sort of way. Um, and to me that just kind of blew my mind as like a child <laughs> that you could do something like that. Um, and I think it's a, it's, it's interesting storytelling just because you have, um, this really kind of depressing situation, this, um, this kind of mom who's a suffragette, who's not really connected to her family and this dad who's a banker who's not connected to the family and the kids are just kind of running wild in London and not very, 
nice people, I think, just in general. Um, and then Mary Poppins comes in and um, cleans the whole mess up. And so it's very, it's very fun because you're not, even though you're connected to um, the story, you're not really connected to Mary Poppins as a character. Um, and at the beginning, you kind of have a standoffish feeling toward the family. So really, there's no one to really draw you into the story, except for maybe Dick Van Dyke, who's not even a, really a main character in the, um, <laughs> at the beginning of that, that movie. He's kind of the only likable one. So it's just a very interesting story. Um, but it's so much fun. I don't know if I can judge it really just because of how ingrained it is in my life. Sure. Um, so I, I, it's something that I loved and have loved for a long time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, if someone were to ask me, like, did you like Mary Poppins growing up? I would have said yes, obviously. Um, and now, but then when I really think about like, how did I feel about Mary Poppins, um, you know, as a child, I think I loved the musical numbers and was a little like kind of like you said, put off by some of like the characters and storytelling is mm-hmm. um, like parts of the film. And part of that is also that like the movie is very British. Like it's <laughs> um and and for a child who is not like kind of not British. <laughs> yeah. And it feels like it feels like a very different world than your own when you're a kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Like, whereas, like, cartoons are different worlds that you can, like, imagine yourself in. Um, Mary Poppins did not. Like, the idea of having a nanny felt, like, incredibly foreign. Um, this, like, uh, what what decade is it set in? Is it set in, like, the, the 20s or so? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the original, it, 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 that decade, the time period feels foreign. London feels like a place that I, I, I don't really quite understand. So as a kid, I remember kind of like not really getting it, but also like loving the musical numbers. And like, and I was really into like the suffragette mom. And um, so things that like did grab me and things that didn't. Um, and And of course, loving Julie Andrews, who is just like such, you know, such a magnetic and like talented and like her face is perfect. Her voice is perfect. Um, she's just like a queen of performance. And so, so those are the things that I remember, like when I really think about like, how did you emotionally respond to Mary Poppins? That's kind of what's coming to my mind. Um, so nowadays, Lucas, I'm assuming you were excited about this new one. Really excited up until, probably a week before it came out. And then I realized, wait, we're getting a Mary Poppins sequel. What if this is terrible? (laughs) So I had a lot of, I think I had a lot of fear, like actually going into the movie of just like, what if I really, really hate this movie? So yeah, that's kind of where I was at going in. How about you? Um, I was kind of, when it first was announced a little suspicious and then a lot of the buzz around it had me just pure stoked. Um, plus it was coming around out around the holidays and I was just excited that there was a movie that I know I, my family would love to go see with me. Yeah. Um, and that alone really can like get me through like a lot of a movie. So, um, how did you end up feeling about Mary Poppins return? All right. Well, um, I love everyone in it. Like everyone in it is fantastic. Um, They do an excellent job. I have some thoughts around Lin-Manuel Miranda, but just overall, everybody's doing an excellent job. I hate Rob Marshall, who's the director. Um, Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't think he's a good director. I think he does a terrible job overall in just um, actually shooting a good movie. Um, 
he wants to be a musical director who's with lots of dance numbers and stuff like that. He just can't shoot it properly. He's too close in on the dancing. There's too many cuts. You can't feel, it doesn't feel kinetic at all. Um, and he just doesn't, I don't, I don't feel like he understands exactly what it is that he wants out of this. Um, but for me, this is a exact carbon copy of the original Mary Poppins. You have the same kind of, kind of story beats, uh, or at least I guess emotional beats. You have the same musical numbers for the most part. Like every musical number in the original Mary Poppins lines up with a musical number in this one in some way. Um, and there, it's so similar that I just don't think it's it's good. I don't think it's well done, but I loved every minute of it. I think it's a, I think it's so much fun to sit and just kind of relive this new Mary Poppins. Um, Emily Blunt is fantastic. She plays this a little sterner than uh, Julie Andrews, but it's perfect for what she, kind of what this is. And we kind of get these little cuts to her where she's um, just kind of gives a look every once in a while, and it's always perfect. Like it, everything about this character is exactly what it should be for this movie. Um, I do want to talk about Lin-Manuel Miranda. That guy, I love him to death. He's not a great singer. <laughs> um, I knew that in Hamilton, it's fine. He's a great writer. Um, he isn't an excellent actor either, I don't think. Um, and so to have him kind of be that Bert character and kind of play this front and center person who's supposed to kind of connect you to this world doesn't work entirely for me. Um, I still had a blast watching him and getting to see him dance and sing and kind of do all of this. Uh, what is he? A, a, a Leary, a lamplighter, yeah. yep. lamp turner offer. Um, that, that was just fun for me, but I don't necessarily think he's great. I think because again, cause you're comparing him to Dick Van Dyke, which is just a very hard thing to do. Um, whereas I don't think Emily Blunt is failing in any way, shape or form. So I had so much fun at this movie, but technically I don't think it's a good movie. But I don't think that matters. <laughs> yeah. How did you feel about it? I mean, yeah, the, yeah they're, like you just said, te- technically is, a go- is it a good movie? Possibly not. Did I love literally every single second of it? Yes. Um, oh, yeah. I was trying to think of like a dessert metaphor because this movie is so like sickly sweet, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the bit, the best I could come up with is that, like, it kind of is like wedding cake. And that, like, is wedding cake, like, the best dessert out there? No. But, like, part of what's so great about wedding cake, in addition to, like, it tasting good, is, like, all the nostalgia and the memories and the moments that you're getting swept up in. And, like, and like those matter, too. Like, they matter they, more than just, like, what the cake is made of. Um and that's kind of how I feel about Mary Poppins is that like, is this movie like, is the story arc like innovative or, you know, a, like really like great cinema? No, but like I was emotionally teared up in like so many moments and I had a, so much fun and I will never for ha- forget the memories of like sitting next to my mom and my sister and them like wiggling in their seats. They're so excited by every musical number. Mm-hmm. Um, I think every musical number in this is fantastic. Um, well, I think almost all but <laughs> one musical number is fantastic. And one is just like, okay, it's kind of fun. I cannot wait um, to hear in spoilers which one sure, that is. <laughs> sure. Um, and I just like had a blast. So I, I just can't take that, separate myself from that, from the movie when I'm talking about yeah. it. It's just ha- the 
biggest grin I had on my face throughout all of it. Um, I think wait, uh, you said a lot of correct things that <laughs> I am. I want to challenge though. So like okay. for instance, you saying that like, it's kind of like a retread of Mary Poppins. I think you're 100% right. And for me, that's like a good thing. I think like, it's fun and interesting to see like, how can we take a movie and recreate it, but put a, like a little bit of a twist on it. Like it's, it's kind of like it's an adaptation more than a sequel, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, how can we take these parental figures and modify them just a bit so that they work? It's almost like a puzzle that they had to do. How can we take um, children characters and give them a slightly different motivation? How can we take mm-hmm. um, the Dick Van Dyke character and give him a new career, but the same <laughs> essence, you know? Um, yes. How can we take Step in Time and turn it into a different musical number that's still just as, like, focused on dance and like and bmx biking uh, yes and (laughs) and and, you know like and dirty men you know like yeah (laughs) and by dirty i mean like physically dirt not you know (laughs) yeah anything suggestive um i love that it took that formula and was just like okay let's like recreate the formula with just a slight little twist and i'm really into that um again it's it's like a, a puzzle that you're solving and you're like oh so she She's a sister, but she's just like her activist mom, and you know, and and um, I I was into it. Yeah, um, for me, it doesn't feel very creative, um, and it doesn't feel like a me, good it feels idea. Like very you, creative. Ah, uh, see, to me, if you told me in advance that that's what it was going to be, I would have been just furious. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is what's happening. You're gonna do this, but I loved every second of it, and I yeah. wouldn't change it. I like like it all worked for me, but just I think from a creative level, I think it's just. It's, it doesn't move the story forward in any way. It's just doing the same story again. Yeah. So it doesn't take it, take Mary, Mary Poppins. And maybe that's just because Mary Poppins doesn't change. Mary Poppins isn't a character that, that moves through e- either of these movies. She's just there. Um, and it's the family that changes. And so to kind of have this family change, not really in the same way, but kind of the same emotional way, um, I think is yeah. I think kind of you, lazy. It's hard because it is technically a sequel. But to me, it feels more like... Yeah. Um, like when they do like a ton of different, like modern versions of like Shakespeare plays, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, I'm really interested in the way you're going to like take this character and what would his equivalent be in high school, you know? Yes. Um, Yes. It it felt like that. And I love, I love seeing like how artists will do that. And so I guess, I guess you're, I I think you're exactly right. I think, I think because I'm viewing this as a sequel, I want it to move for, move the story forward but it right. truly is it's just a remake yeah. pretending to be a sequel right and i i'm kind of into that i'm kind of into like in this age of reboots remakes and sequels and um how one can be both and you know yeah yeah um so i was interested i was into that your other critique that i want to address is lin manuel miranda and I did not feel the same way as you with that. I, Lin Manuel, I do and I don't. Um, I don't think Lin Manuel Miranda has the same caliber of singing as someone like Emily Blunt or a lot of like great singers. Um, but I also don't think he's bad. You know, I think he's like decent. And I've he's defi- he's fine. And I've yeah. definitely suffered through many a worse actor trying to sing in a musical. Um, 
It's and, true. I guess like compared to I like in Hamilton, I don't think he's a good singer because comparatively you're against all of these truly, sure. truly amazing, amazing singers. And in this one, I mean, they just give him so much work, I think. Like well, like he is singing a lot in this movie. <laughs> yeah. But also for me it really worked because like it it for me it kind of fit his character. Um like Mary Poppins is practically perfect in every way. She's gotta mm-hmm. have like the pipes. Yeah. But like this character is just like a guy who works on the street. And <laughs> I don't know, something about him having like a little warble in his vocal quality, like I don't know, works for me. Um <laughs> also acting wise, I thought he was like perfectly swoony. And by that means he has like a level of swoon after Mary Poppins, after another character in the movie, like he's just besotted. And I think Lin-Manuel Miranda does a really good job at like looking besotted. Um, Again, do I think he needs to be nominated for anything? Of course not. Do I think he needs to be cast in like a lot of like serious roles? Absolutely not. But is he like incredibly charming and charismatic and like great for this role, I think yes. So that's like where I land on him. Yeah. For me, I just think the bar is so high with Dick Van Dyke that to pull someone in like him, someone like him into this role um, feels a little unfair. I loved him. He's nice. He's great. Um, they just give him more heavy lifting than I wanted, I yeah. think, for someone with his his vocal talent. He, I will, for me, like he, he was probably my favorite part of the movie. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Nice. I mean, I say uh, give uh, Emily Blunt an extra song and take away one of his songs. Oh no, never, not not at all. <laughs> like his solo song mm-hmm. um, is like really just put me in the mood for the whole thing, and like I was really into. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Um, is there anything else you want to say about Mary Poppins before we move into spoilers? I don't think so. Okay, let's do it then. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Now, crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. This movie, you know, we don't have a ton to say about it because it just, it is what it is, you know? Like, if you like musicals, you'll probably like Mary Poppins. And if you're mm-hmm. willing to sit through, like, sweet, you know, vulnerable entertainment, like, that's what it is, right? Yeah, and I think... Because I went into this movie not necessarily trusting that it was going to give me what I needed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was nervous throughout at different points. Um, so, like, at the beginning when he started singing, I was like, okay, okay, are, like, is this going to work? Is yeah. this going to work if, we're, if he's our Dick Van Dyke, you know, stand-in? Yeah. And then when we meet the family and um, – uh, what's his name? Ben Wish- Wishaw has his amazing song. Yeah. Um, I love, I love that song of him just kind of breaking down and kind of feeling this, this loneliness. But when he started singing, I was like, okay, are we going to connect with this dad character? Um, and then when Mary Poppins showed up, I was like, okay, how's Emily Blunt going to fit into this? And so each time I was just reassured of just like, oh, this movie is doing exactly what I need it to do. This movie is going to make me feel exactly what I need to feel for this to work. And it just made me feel so good inside. When Mary Poppins shows up and they get, they set up, they start setting up the tub and the dolphin's head pops up and she just goes, not yet. And it goes back in. That, I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm yeah. 100% in on, on Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins and whatever this world is going to do here. <laughs> right. For me, like, oh. Mary Poppins is an excuse to have a string of musical numbers. Like, and <laughs> the musical numbers delighted me. So let me talk about my favorite one, which is A Cover Is Not A Book. Um, 
to me, this is like clearly the standout moment of the whole film. Um, I couldn't like, like you couldn't even measure the grin that was on my face when this musical number was happening. Um, everything from the message of the song to the cheekiness of it. Like they reference like a nude lady essentially in the, in the song. Yeah. Um, that was weird. <laughs> to like Mary Poppins doing like Velma Kelly, like with the wig and the voice. And I'll say um, the wig, the wig is the one thing that I was just kind of like, Whoa, I, I was very, very <laughs> into it. Um, and the way that, like, I mean, throughout the whole film, the co- that's something we should have mentioned probably before spoilers, but I think the costumes are so cool and beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah. I love the look of this film and the color of this film, but especially in that number, like, they, like, spare no expense on, like, putting on a number. I, I st- I'm still singing that song. I think it's, like, a fantastic number that as soon as it's on YouTube, I want to watch and rewatch. Yeah, I, the... I think that one was the most fun to watch um, visually. Like it was the most entertaining. And that's, I think comes back to my problem with Rob Marshall is he doesn't do a good job of, I think shooting a lot of the musical sequences and the dance sequences. He's just way too close most of the time. Um, And this one was one where it's like you need, you needed that because it's in this animated world and you felt kind of like you couldn't see kind of really what was around them. Right. You needed kind of that tight, um, kind of dance number feel. And it was so good. It was so much fun to watch. And watching the kids in the audience watching them, yeah. like you you resonated with them so much because you're like, this is, this is fantastic. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a great piece on Vulture written by Natalie Walker uh, where she does a ranking of all of the songs in Mary Poppins Returns. Mm. It's incredibly funny. And she points out that like, Emily Blunt has sort of a Kristen Wig, like, don't make me sing moment. Yes, like, right yes. Before that. Yep. There's so many B flat major. Like, <laughs> yeah. So many small moments like that that, like, just makes you giggle. Like, and yeah, I, I had so much fun with that one. Um, yeah, I think I think she's like she feels a little harsher in this movie um, than Julie Andrews, but I think a lot of those little moments are so much more fun because she feels a little more stern. Absolutely, uh, and so like that, yeah, that brought down the house in my theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she. Um, I love her like offended face, you know, that she gets mm-hmm. to have. Yes, throughout. so many times, yeah. so many times in this right. movie. Um, so let me tell you about the the musical number that I think is the weakest in. Okay. And that's everything going on with Meryl Streep in this movie. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I think the set design in that number is, like, mm-hmm. cool. You know, like, having that upside-down space, like, keeping my eye on the set throughout the musical number. And, yes. like, there was so much to look at was really yeah. cool. But as a musical number, it feels like a throwaway. Like, there's... There wasn't much to it for me. I think, I, like, I had a lot of fun with it because it's Meryl Streep and because it's everybody kind of doing their, you know, run around this upside down set kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think plot wise, when we're at this point in the film, it makes no sense why we're here. We don't know what's going on, and then we never see Meryl Streep. Like, it. It one hundred percent is like, oh, Meryl Streep has expressed interest in doing yeah. this movie. What if we like wrote this in for her because like we can't turn down the opportunity to have Meryl Streep in our movie? Exactly, exactly. I think one of the because the the uh, the musical number that it lines up with in the original Mary Poppins is the I love to laugh one where everybody's on the ceiling laughing and everything like that. Oh yes. Um that that's that's the one that lines up and it's again it's true you never see that that cousin character again in yeah. that 
Mary Poppins movie. But I think the reason that works so much more is because this is the first time that the kids get to open up mm. and get to like, you know, do something and feel something. And here they just walk in, sing a song and leave. Like there's not really a point to this song right. and there's not really anything useful. Um, and then in the original Mary Poppins, that laughter comes back later at the end of the movie. And so it kind of ties in more um, when Dick Van Dyke's character dies. <laughs> yeah. um, and in this one, it's just like, yeah, Meryl Streep's in one scene and uh, we never have to talk about it again. Right. <laughs> right. Like they never go back and get the bowl. No. Like it's just not a plot point for many. And yeah, I, I have a lot of problems yeah, with, with, with the plot. But the bowl and like somehow like whenever it didn't make any sense no it made no sense sense, but (laughs) in my head i was like the certificate is in the bowl like right right like like somehow well they put a lot of meaning they put so much time like talking about the bowl and like the bowl is like worth so much money it's like maybe it's like the certificate is taped on the bottom or something like i was like no no it doesn't matter Meryl Streep wanted to be in this movie, so yeah. they threw her in the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I liked her. I liked her costuming. I liked kind of the environment. I had fun with it, but I, you're right. Like, it is probably the weakest song. Um, the the Leary song, the uh, I don't even remember what it is, but When You're Lost in London, The Fog, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Um, that song, I felt like, was long. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked it. I had a lot of fun with it, but it was a long song. And there was... I think, again, it comes back to I just don't like the way he filmed all the dancing and the singing and stuff like that for this specific set. And you're you're on a set. You have the space. Just take one shot and let us, like, sit back and just watch all of this amazing dancing. You're hiring a lot of amazing dancers. You're doing a lot of awesome choreography. Just let us see it. Let us see it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That song is called Trip a Little Light Fantastic. Yes. Yes. That one. That one. Yeah. Um, I'm curious how we're going to feel about these songs in 10 years. Cause I, I, I like all of these songs. I don't really remember them um, that well because they're new. So yeah. I'm, I'm wondering like if in 10 years, we're going to feel the exact same way we feel about like super califragilistic um, all of that or step in time, that kind of stuff. So, sure. cause I, cause um, I, again, I liked all the songs, but I just the song in the original, the Dick Van Dyke scenes. That's kind of like the, you know, pair with um, lovely London sky. It's like, um, it's Chim Chim Cherie, right? I is guess that the opening? So. Yeah, I guess it's Chim yeah. Chim Tree. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay, this sounds silly because I did forget it, but the way that, like, <laughs> Chim Chim Tree has kind of, like, stuck with us over the years. Yes, and it, yes. And, like, sets that opening mood. Like, mm-hmm. th- that's such an, like, as a kid, I don't think you notice it, but as an adult, you're like, ooh, he's setting this sort of, like, spooky, mystical mood for the movie, you know, that's about to happen. Yeah. You know? And, um... For me, like, Lovely London Sky is going to be that for me. Like, it's the one that, like, I've been humming to myself the most since I've seen it. Um, Mm -hmm. And since I only got to see it once, like, and I haven't really been listening to the soundtrack, it's not like a lot of them, like, have stuck in my head yet. Um, Right, right. But that one kind of has. At least that phrase has. And Mm -hmm. I was really into it. I was really into... Just the tone it was setting me up for for the rest of the movie. And it also is one of the only ones that's like, it doesn't seem to be like bound by the story. You know, like it can yeah. it can kind of just set a mood for yourself. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's definitely a mood song yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about some actors. Colin Firth as the villain, I think, is so delicious. Um, I want Colin Firth to be a villain more often because... I- 
I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. I think I think there are a lot of those those British actors who have played like good nice guys like their entire career and getting a chance. I'm I'm also just thinking of um, Hugh Grant in Paddington too. Like yeah. having them get a chance to play like kind of a, an evil like smiley bad guy is so much fun to see. Um, yeah, Colin Colin Firth in this movie is a blast. <laughs> well, like Hugh Grant has gotten to play like some dicks, you know. I think, like I think recently though he has. No, I don't think. No, he's he's like in Bridget Jones. He's he's like the jerk. Yeah, um, I, I hate to say this, but I haven't seen Bridget Jones. Okay, but well, he's like the, he's, he's like the, the jerk. He's the jerk in Bridget Jones. Okay, he's like um, honestly, I think it's his perfect role. I think like him being a jerk is yeah. No, he's really good at it. That's why. Like yeah. Um, Hugh Grant has like Hugh Grant gets to play between like love interest to like jerk to somewhere in between. Sometimes you know, sometimes he plays like he's like kind of a love interest with some jerk tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he's really good at vacillating between the two. And Colin Firth usually has just stayed in the, like, good guy slash love interest, like, lead role. And the closest I think I've seen him come is in Pride and Prejudice. He kind of starts off as, like, this, like, um, oh, I haven't seen Pride and Prejudice. But, like, I'm aware of that character. You know, like, he's, like, a standoffish kind of. um, Wait, wait, wait. You haven't seen Pride and Prejudice? The Colin Firth one. Oh, yes, the Colin Firth. Okay, yes. (laughs) Sorry, yes. Right. No, I haven't yes, seen yes. the Colin <laughs> yes, yes. Firth version. Um, but, like, I'm aware of that character, how he, like, kind of, like, starts off as, like, you know, hmm. judgmental yeah. and standoffish and becomes, you know, your your romantic love interest. But I, I think he could do really well with playing someone who comes across as, like, charming and, like, you think he's going to be good, but turns out he's, like, an ass, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And a little bit of what he does in this movie where, like, when he's with Ben Shaw, he's, like, accommodating and gentlemanly and, you know, and then behind the scenes, he's, like, villainous. Yeah. Uh, I had a lot of fun with him as that. Yeah, I think he does a really great job with that. And I don't think, like, it's not a twist at all that he's, like, the bad guy, but just getting to, like, see him kind of vacillate between those two. It's a mini twist, you know, like... It, the moment he's on screen, it doesn't. No, there's no sign of it until he says, "Like, get me the books." I guess. I, I guess it is. And the trailers don't give that away. No. Yeah. I guess it. I guess in my head, it's not like a. If you're the, if you're smart, the, it's not a big surprise. But the movie doesn't, I guess, treat it like a twist. It's not like dun dun dun. Yeah. It's it's very much just like yeah, he's the bad guy. Right. But you yeah. still get to see him like kind of weasel his way, yeah. um, into in, into kind of like their lives more than than he should really <laughs> but right. yeah um another someone i want to call out is julie walters um yeah. as the housekeeper i love her so much um sure. again back to paddington um I her playing the housekeeper in both pa- yeah paddington over the break oh good and so that was cool to see her in both of those roles back to back yeah she's doing amazing work in both of those roles but in this one she's she's very fun and very weird <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, but just like, I, I was hoping she'd get a song at some point. She doesn't, but, yeah. um, yeah, I just love her in just about anything she does. So it's good to see her show up here. Yeah. I'm trying, I'm, I'm going through, um, the place where lost things go. I think it's just like such a stunningly beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when Mary Poppins sings it, it's very moving. And then when the kids sing it to their own dad, yeah. it's like, you know, knife to the heart, like, yeah. okay, we've got to talk about Angela Lansbury. Yes. 
So this role was originally written for Julie Andrew. So like yes. they've denied so that. I think this was before as as the movie came out that they had written a role for her and she had turned it down like a cameo role and okay. she had turned it down saying, yeah, this is Emily's movie. I, I want to let her have it completely. Yeah. I don't want to show up in it. Yeah. Um, and so I'm assuming that this was the cameo role that they right. wrote for her because right. it feels it feels exactly like that's what it should be. And even like there's like people in my family who don't know who Angela Lansbury was was like who's the balloon lady? Was she right. in the the original Mary Poppins? Like was that is that someone who is important? Because she just feels very like right. It feels like it's a cameo, a Mary Poppins cameo. Yeah. Right. Right. But it's not. It's Angela Lansbury, right. and she's great at it. It's perfect. Sure. I love it. I love it. Yeah. But it yeah. So yeah. I absolutely felt the same way, and like I I get the the balloons are like so fun, and that was like kind mm-hmm. of a fun sequence. In the, like, you know how, like, there's, like, these theories that are fun about, like, is Mary Poppins, like, a time lord, you know? like <laughs> yeah. 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 There could have been something fun and mystical if, like, you had Julie Andrews as, like, the bird lady from the first movie. Mm-hmm. And this idea that, like, this Mary Poppins figure is, like, this cyclical nature of, like, I don't know, nanny to bird lady. I don't, yeah. I don't know, like, exactly <laughs> what that would say. I, I just, like... <laughs> like the idea of it <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah and and so they did something like they instead of a and that was another time where they like said okay let's take the bird lady and make her something else and they made her right. a balloon lady and right um and balloons are probably much more like not as depressing as a bird lady but still <laughs> um i don't know i was very into it i did yeah. love how this movie weaved in the story about um michael like giving his top in, or someone giving their top ins to like the bird lady, like mm-hmm. with um, the bank that, you know, they, I love how like that, that note was brought back. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Cause that, that's, Probably that's not. where the money, that's where the money comes from. Yeah. It, the top, the two top ins he gave to the bank grew into whatever. There's a lot of stuff about the bank. That's like a little, like, yeah. You know what the message is about the yeah. banking system. <laughs> not really quite sure how that plays. Yeah, I I guess if I had one critique of this movie is that like there's too much of the bank in the story, and I think there's just too much plot in general. Like like the whole like we got we're gonna lose the house kind of thing never felt good in this movie. Yeah, (laughs) like anytime they were talking about that, I was like, it's this doesn't make any sense. It's gonna be fine. Like I don't because because there's also like it's truly like a five minute plot. It's hey we we're gonna lose the house. I know we have shares somewhere. Where are the shares? And right. it's just, we just have to find the shares. It's not like, are we going to be fine? It's whenever we find the shares, we'll be fine. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it's, it's the, the, the plot, the plot makes no sense, but I'm not too worried about that at all. Right. So. Again, I like, like, what is the plot of the original Mary Poppins? I couldn't yeah. really tell you, you know, like, yeah. yeah. Um, that's not why I come to Mary Poppins. No. Um, but otherwise, man, I had so much fun. Me too. It's a movie that like, I, I want to rewatch just to rewatch those musical numbers. And so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can't wait for this to come out on Netflix. I feel like this is going to be the thing that people like who have kids, especially will just yeah, kind of put on and just yeah, let it run. Totally. So um, I'm I'm so hoping that we get more and more mu- big movie musicals, like true musicals like this one with dance numbers and songs and they go all out. I 100% agree. Except I'd love for someone besides Rob Marshall to take a shot at one. Sure. I like Mar- Rob Marshall. I'm a fan of his. But, like, <sighs> I want there to be some variety. Yeah. 
All right, Lucas. Well, where can people find you online? You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff uh, or on Letterboxd. Uh, check me out on Letterboxd. I'm going to be compiling my top ten list there as well as just uh, that's where you can see where I'm ranking everything. Yeah. And you can find me at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find us on Twitter at FeelingItPod. Tweet at us what you're still meaning to watch for the upcoming um, month. As yes. we're like catching up on all the things that were released in 2018. Bye-bye, everyone. See ya. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 